Clint, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Y'all can call me dirty from now on because I plan on getting dirty with George's ass. I'll give you the politically non-correct answer. Let the nuts hang. Let the fucker fly, man. Well, you never know what the hell is going to go on in Morgantown. You get off the bus, it smells like straight whiskey. Whatever 50-year-old white man's out here doing a gritty that night, you know? Whatever. But no, I'm serious. The lights went out. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. It's Dabo doing the gritty. I say right foot creep. Cheers, boys. And I want to remind everybody right out of the gate, I'm going to tell you three or four times today. Now, go check out the merch store at fieldof68.shop. That's fieldof68.shop. Our guys are dropping T-shirts left and right. Some of them hit the spot. Some of them not, baby. But you can find one for you. No question about it. Mine, mine I might. I mean, look here. I think the design could probably be a little bit better. But uh, it's cussing and discussing, if you know what I mean, baby. The phrasing is absolutely beautiful. But I'm Clint Sterner. They let Dirty Red hold the mic one more time hosting tonight. And uh, I'm joined with the one, the only, Kevin Sumlin. Coach, what's going on, man? Oh, what's happening, Clint? Glad to be here, man. I'm, I'm uh, if, I, if I get out of, out of whack here, you know, the Astros are up 5 nothing. But we <laughs> saw that the first game, right? <laughs> Don't blink on it. It was 6-5 before I could even turn around. So I'm still kind of peeking out of the corner of my eye right now. Coach, we're going to give the Mastros a little love today while we rock and roll here. No question about it. Um, they got Christian Javier on the mound. My man is rocking and rolling, though. You ain't got to worry about the wheels coming off of him. I feel pretty good about it. Knock on wood. And my man, QB Guru, out there on the West Coast, George Whitfield. G-Dub, what's good, brother? How we doing, fellas? And, yeah, Padres, it was a tough one. But we cannot and will not. Go for them trash cans. No, sir. Oh, <laughs> see? Oh. Hey, no, hey, look so, here. Keep banging. Keep banging, baby. I'm just simply right. saying, San Diego uh, keeps it classy. Y'all know that. We cannot and will hey. not go for the. Hey, y'all keep it classy on y'all's couch watching them strolls and them Phillies do work out there. You, you heard me? Hey, uh, we always do this. My man, George Whitfield, is he brought this to the table a long time ago, the first time I joined Field of 12. We give a little toast of the night. Everybody get we a little round table toast of the night. And, and I'm, I'm going to stay on brand right here with the uh, with the Astros. My man, Christian Javier, he, this is a must-win ball game right here. That, uh, that, old, that old Philly freight train was rocking and rolling. And uh, Christian Javier so far has come out and put a little bit of a stop to him right there. So I'm, I'm going to stay with that Astros theme, give my H-Town fellas a little shout-out. Christian Javier, this one right here is to you. This college football talk is for you tonight, big dog, while, you, while you're doing work. Coach Sean, what you got, baby? I'll tell you what, this will take some people by surprise. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the top 25, and we're always going through, you know, the, the, the top four, right? But all of a sudden, you get to the next tier of people – and I see that the North Carolina Tar Heels are, are, are seven and one. So my toast mm-hmm. goes to the old man himself, Mac Brown. Got those Tar Heels hey. rolling, right? And in and, and a place where it kind of quietly he's creeping up the charts there in, in the ACC. Mac Brown gets my with, toast. And with, quietly with one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Ooh, Drake Bay exactly is doing right. big things. I'm going to tell you, though, Coach, you see Mac Brown, I got a little bone to pick with him, see? When I was calling, when I was calling these games, I crossed paths with him one time. And when Mac Brown walks in the room, 
I mean, you bow down. I mean, that's that's Mac Brown. He's been doing this thing for a while. Much respect. Man, first thing he said to me was ask me about that damn fumble in 1998. Coach Brown, mm. you got to be better, man. But here's the Coach Brown for Kevin Sumlin. Hey, George Whitfield, what you got, baby? Uh, I like I like what you both did. Clint, I mean, you went hometown. I respect it. Coach went uh, nostalgic football royalty, if you will, with the Tar Heels. I'm going to go with all in with, with the ride Tennessee is on right now. <laughs> they already had a big monster win. They got another big monster win. They already enjoy game day. And as you both know, Clint, you led a program from the field. Coach, you've led multiple programs from the sideline. The feeling it gets when all the boats rise, when that big tide comes in a momentum, I hope everything that Tennessee set out for as a staff, as players, as a program, as students, I hope it all goes because you don't know what's going to happen going forward. But right now they open the, the college football ranks at number one. Now they got another big national heavyweight bout in, in Athens. I hope they're getting everything they can get out of recruiting, out of NIL, out of everything. Cause that's one of those programs. It's just good to see them back on their feet flexing to the Vols today. As to much ball. as as and much as it pains me to do it, G. As much as it pains me to do it, and you know why. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but that's but why to the ball. I've been on the on the on the Nevin Hooker train for uh, what four or five was since game one, right? Yeah, we yeah. talked a long time ago. It's a real football team. Josh Heupel is doing a great job. I mean, they were what in, in the top two in the country a year ago in offense. It's not like it's not like they just showed up this year. Offensively, Correct. they were they're one of the top offenses in the country. They're 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 sustaining. They've gotten better, and their defense now and special teams they're playing at a really high level. And I guess we'll talk about it later. But I said it before three weeks ago by the eye test. Nobody wants to play those guys. No. Right? I no. mean, nobody. No. Yeah. And, look, hey, Coach, you, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. Let me set this thing up real quick. College football playoff rankings reaction. We're going to hit that big tonight. I talked about it last night on Field of 12 after dark. But I, I know George Whitfield and Coach Kevin Sumlin hadn't had a chance to really chop this thing up. So we're, we're going to make sure we do that. We're going to peel back all the different layers and give you multiple different perspectives. Tonight, we got some Big Ten contenders, some Big 12 battles. Uh, we got some exciting football coming up uh, this week. Huge monster games that George just mentioned, and and I, I've got. I'm gonna be honest with you. I got. Hey, coach, I got three different questions throughout the show tonight that I'm gonna hit you with that um, that you can only get right here on Field of Twelve from from a, a a coach that's been there and done it with experience. There's a lot going on in college football right now that George and I just simply cannot relate to, but Kevin Sumlin damn sure can. So mm -hmm. we're gonna we're gonna hit that as well. Uh, but let's get started, man. I mean, we you, you just you talked about it right there, Coach. I, I think when you look at the college football playoff rankings, the first thing that jumps out to me is the number one football team. The number one football team, according to the committee right now, is the Tennessee Volunteers. And, and, and Coach, I, I want to come to you. Did they get it right? It is 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 Tennessee the as we know right now? What we've seen, all things considered, is Tennessee the number one football team in America? 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with it. I, I think so. I've been saying it for a couple of weeks. I mean, based on, you know, I'm sorry, I said Nevin. I, I, I blended in Kentucky and Tennessee right there. <laughs> but but Hendon Hook, I mean, their quarterback play is is at a high level. I mean, it, as a, a offense, defense, and special teams, based on their resume, who they've played, and how they've won the games, it's hard to argue that they're not the best team in the country. I was excited last week because – Three weeks ago, I was on Ohio State, right? But they just kind of been playing. Uh, for them to really turn it on and score what twenty-eight points in the last quarter last week, you saw Ohio, the real State. Ohio State. Yes, yeah. you saw the real Ohio State when they got their backs to the wall last Correct. week, right? When they want to play, they're as explosive. Those that group of receivers is ridiculous. Right. Yep. And, and the quarterback yep. is is a you know, he's he's experienced, he's confident, and the team is confident. So I think that's correct. Georgia hasn't played very well all year. Everybody's waiting for Georgia to play their best game. If they do, that's right. But we all know how talented they are. And they're they're you know, they're they're feeling their way through it. Clemson's Clemson. DJU is gonna be, you know, it, it, the thing that that all these teams have are quarterbacks that can win games. That to to me that can get them through those deals and 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 win. So you know I agree with the top four. Now outside of that, who knows? Because everybody wants to put Michigan in there. I'm not sold on the quarterback play there. I think that they have maybe one of the best running backs in the country. I think their old line is dominant. I think their defense is playing at a high level. But if it gets down to it in a close game. Can J.J. be that guy against those other four teams? Hey, hey I, I, I love it right there. I'm assuming, George, you, you agree that, that Tennessee at number one is, is, is a, a, good, a good pick at one right now. We're looking at Tennessee. They beat Bama, number, who is currently number six, 52 to 49. They beat LSU, uh, currently number 10, 40 to 13. As George said, who I know George is really high on him, as am I, the fighting Mark Stoops, the Kentucky Wildcats. Yep. They beat them big 44 to 6, G. They got a Heisman, what I think is the Heisman front runner in Hendon Hooker. They got the top scoring offense in college football. They've got the best resume in the game. Right now, where we sit, I believe they got that thing right. But G, I know, I know you are, I know you're high on Ohio State. They're sitting yep. at number, they're sitting at number two right now. You good, give me Georgia and Ohio State together, because I feel like that's They've been they've been married at the hip all damn year, for being completely honest. Yeah, Ohio that's State fair. and Georgia, you good with them two and three? I am good with them two and three. I think just like what Coach said, Ohio State. If you went into a bar and said, "Hey, Buckeyes could be one," you're not going to have a whole bunch of arguments outside of Knoxville. And Coach is right; they haven't been pressed all year either. Then they got pressed a little bit at the whiteout. Woke up, shook off, flexed, and you're getting contribution from everywhere. Some games, special teams comes in with a big return or a block. This last game, a defensive end with two picks, two sacks, and a pick six. <laughs> they got so many guys who can kind of step forward. It's like the Avengers. They just haven't had a heavyweight bout yet. So that's the only thing everybody's holding against them because it's not the eyeball test, and it's not carryover from last year. Last year, they went into the Rose Bowl two – Arguably two best receivers in all of college football decide to sit out for the draft. No problem. 
they throw for 500 yards against Utah. They still go and attack. Same set of kids come back this year, add two new receivers. One of them, Marvin Harrison, he might be the best receiver in college football again this year. These dudes just reload. So if you're in Columbus, and I'm especially if I'm walking around the Woody Hayes building, hey, I look at it, I shrug it off. There's probably no high fives in the building, too. We'll take two because the rest is all in front of us. But it really does matter about number four. Number four, really, that, that fired me up. Okay, so Clemson was given love off of legacy. Deshaun Watson is not suiting up anytime this year for Clemson, and neither is uh, Trevor Lawrence. They got some of that legacy love. If you really watch these games, what Clemson's doing, in the weakest of the five power conferences, they're in the most barroom brawls at any of these teams on here. They are on the barroom floor fighting for their life with teams that would get knocked out by any of these other big, big squads. They're the only team really in the top 25 with <clears throat> uncertainty at the quarterback position. And they have a veteran there. And the uncertainty doesn't come from health. It comes from play. You pulled a starter out in a win to get past the Syracuse team and average Notre Dame team went out and knocked out one week later. And they're the fourth best team? Michigan should be sitting at number four, point blank. They have their method of getting first downs and touchdowns. And I agree with Coach. McCarthy may not be the rock star the rest of these quarterbacks are, but they've carved out a role for McCarthy. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to move you around some. We're not going to put you in a whole lot of high risk. We got a freight train of a run game, and our defense will take care of the rest. They've also they kind of insulated him like George has done Stetson Bennett. So Michigan should be four. They've been knocking teams out. Five should be TCU. Really, it should be 4B. Four ranked victories, Big 12 or not. TCU should be sitting at five. Bama should be sitting at six. You lost to the number one team on the road on a game-winning field goal? A clunker. All respect to the kicker. But your quarterback, your team, they rose to the occasion. It came down to that. Yes, a loss is a loss, but that's – if Tennessee had the best win and Alabama has the best loss, that, that, those things are married. And then lastly, Clint, then you can then I can go ahead and see Clemson. Go ahead and have a seat at the seventh spot. That's you way down there. <laughs> the redhead. That's you down there, number seven. Now, here's, here's the problem. There. Here's the problem, George. All right, who's going to beat Clemson in the ACC, right? Who's going to beat them? Uh, Notre Dame. I, I agree with you, but who's going to beat them? Notre Dame. Okay. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> I'm hey, going to remember that one. Hey, hey, hey I, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you 100%, George, that, that Clemson, Clemson got gifted the gifted. number four spot. I think it's the biggest horseshit ranking of the entire top 25, in my opinion. You cannot tell me that no. I'll take our field of 12 group. If you could pull up, I don't know how many people we got, 15 little windows in this damn thing right here, and we all voted number four team in the country, not one person would raise their hand that Clemson was number four. And if they did, I might jump through this damn screen at them. There ain't hey, no let me way. ask you this. Let me follow up with this. Let me follow your question with a question. Do you really mean to say in a neutral site, Clemson could beat Michigan? No. No. But no, my, no, I, no Clemson I, beat 
so so here, here here's the question, right? Are the rankings about right now, which we don't know, what they should be, right? Yeah. But who's going to beat Clemson in the ACC? I, I'm with you. They scrap every week. They're not a great team. But until someone beats them, right, they're going to keep rolling along, 8-0, 9-0, and you know, they're, they're waiting for these other teams have to play real opponents, right? Michigan's got to play Ohio State. You've got everybody else in the top four still got real games to go. Uh, Tennessee's got a real game this weekend, right? So, yeah. you know, the game. Uh, yes. So, in my opinion, uh, you know, is the committee setting this thing up or is it about right now? And that's something that we don't know. That's what everybody yeah. has next year about. You, you what never, should it be? Never, should it be the on. eyeball test? I'm hang on, hang on, no, hang on, no, hang, hang on. Let's 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 zero in on a couple of these fellas. Um, it, it, when I look at when I look at the, these these rankings, we can go on for days about well, can so and so beat so and so, and this team beat that team. The other thing that sticks out, I've talked to fifteen different people the last forty eight hours, last twenty four hours about this college football playoff. Tennessee being number one, Clemson being number four. Are, are two huge topics. The other one, and we've danced around it, is TCU, right? Yeah. And and coach, I want to I, I want to really drill. This is one of my questions for you, man. I want to really drill in. You've coached in a group of five. You've coached in the SEC. You've coached in the Big Twelve, Pac twelve, all it, all of it. Like I want you to take us into a coach's head in in one of these conferences, the Pac twelve or the Big Twelve. And you're sitting there, we all do it, and you're waiting for these rankings to come out. You may have said a million times, Coach, these rankings don't mean shit, but we all know we sit around and look at them, Coach. You, if you're coaching the Pac-12, or in this case, you're coaching the Big 12, and you're coaching TCU, and you played the kind of ball they played, and you look up and you got a one-loss Bama ranked ahead of you, a suspect Clemson, as George just laid out, ranked ahead of you, Coach, take this into the head of a coach in the Big 12 or the Pac-12 that's getting screwed over like this. Uh, here, here's the other thing, right? And, and even in a group of five where you're undefeated and you're better than teams that are in the top. That's 10. fair. That's and, and fair. You, you know, at, at Houston, we beat Mississippi State. We beat a bunch of people, right? And we were better than a lot of teams in the, in the top 15. Couldn't get there, which was a chip on your shoulder, right? So what you say as a coach – Hey, you know, we don't play, pay attention to that. And about you as a coach, your your players are watching, right? They, they come running back in um, on Tuesday or Wednesday when they change whatever the day it is, Monday night. They're going to see that and, like, uh, you know, they feel disrespected. That, that, that's really? what it is. Yeah. And you yeah. can use that as motivation or you can ignore it, all right? Because Sonny has done a great job week to week to week with this football team. And they are obviously, they and 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 like I said, and, and George brought it up, Tennessee and TCU are real problems offensively, right? Yep. Real problems. And so, regardless of who you're playing or what you, your schedule is made for you, okay, just like Clemson gets it because they've been there before, right? The thing about college football, which is different than pro football, you don't have the same guys. The, nope. It changes. Every year and from from year to year. And after four years, what happened four years ago doesn't really matter. So TCU, by their body of work and who they played, um, you know, they should be higher. But you look at this, right? You tell me this, Clint. They go to Tech. No, they have Tech at home. 
going to be a real game. People don't respect at Texas. Yep. And they got they're at Texas. They're at Baylor, and then they got Iowa State at the end. Right. Right. Yes. So we'll know more here. They're going to have their opportunity to climb based on what happens in the, in, the, in ahead of them because the other people are going to have to play other people as well. Yeah, the, the, the problem here, guys, is that they, they've set the precedent. In my opinion, they've set the precedence that a one-loss SEC team or a one-loss Big Ten team is, is going to be or likely to be ranked ahead of an undefeated TCU team. A Big 12, or there's not a Pac-12 team, but but if there were one, y'all get the y'all get the drift, you get the conversation. You you've already from jump set that precedence. That, that that can happen. You look at what TCU has done. They're undefeated. They're, they're, their resume is as impressive as anybody else in terms of beating teams that, that are that, that are ranked and were ranked. They got the number three scoring scoring offense in all of college football, right? They got a quarterback that's somehow starting to sneak his ass. He's trying to sneak into the the the, the fringe uh, Heisman Trophy candidate conversation if they can keep winning. They, they've got all the makings of a, of a team that should be considered and have a legit shot at a top four. George, I want to ask you this. The metrics, you've been doing covering a college football game for a long time. The metrics that are used by the by the committee. Great to, question. Because here's the thing. This is why I bring it up, G, is because what I've heard about TCU is one of the big knocks is, is early game control. They're not winning early enough or not winning by enough points early in football games to convince folks that their undefeated record is an – I mean, what kind of bullshit is that? Like, is. George, you've been covering it for a long time, bro. What are your thoughts on – are we making it too difficult? Are the metrics silly? Is it, it Should it be simplified? What's your thoughts? Well, our our producer, Trevor Valise, just said that the committee, their official deal there was uh, TCU lets teams hang around. That's all bullshit. That's the case. Clemson's ranked 12th. I mean, not to keep knocking Clemson and I love the town and the school and all the rest of that stuff, but they don't have any definitive ice cold knockouts either. I think it's all bullshit. When you watched Ohio state and Michigan, they had one common opponent, Michigan knocked Penn state out early and stayed on them. And, and there was no drama. Like coach said, Penn state pressed Ohio state. They woke up late, came back, roaring back, got them. And yet, neither team, Ohio State played an early Notre Dame team, but neither team has really been tested with an equal opposite. Ohio State sits two, Michigan sitting just outside. Tennessee, they give him the, the resume and the eyeball test. That, to me, makes sense. Georgia, I mean, if you really want to press Georgia, nobody does. They're the reigning champs. And they've sustained an awful lot. But week in, week out, they haven't been a number one or number two team really all year. They haven't been like an unquestioned, like Mike Tyson. They've had some Mike Tyson to them. But sneaking out of Missouri like that, that doesn't sound, you know, incredibly vicious either. I don't really understand what they're doing. And to to your other point, though, Clint, I, I do flip on the opposite side. Alabama? They lost to Tennessee, which Tennessee would beat everybody in the Big 12, including TCU. And they lost to Tennessee at Tennessee by a field goal that expired to get out of there by a point. So I'm okay with Bama sitting in front of 
Tennessee or, or I mean, in front of TCU or vice versa. Because if I'm Alabama, I'm pointing to the number one team in the country. That's the only guys that got us. If they didn't play Tennessee for two more weeks, Alabama could very well be one. I mean, if this, that, and the other, but I'm just simply yeah. saying. But yeah, for if, TCU, my, if my aunt, if my mind. aunt had a said, it'd be my uncle. I, I mean, it ain't. I, I mean, feel look, you, I, but but it still matters because you, you you talk about the metrics. At some point, they're going to circle back to the eyeball test. Herb Street said that to me year in and year out. Andy Staples just said, told us that a couple of weeks ago. They're going to get back around to the eyeball test in the event that some of these undefeated conference champs. Don't make it out of there undefeated. It is going to swing back to the eyeball test, and a lot of this stuff is going to iron itself out. Let me let me just say this, right, real quick, quick, Clint. All right, so uh, it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal. I said it early. Why do you think Mike Gundy went for it last year? He had to. He because he won. Oh, in the conference championship, exactly. He had to. Yeah. He he he, because he wanted to get in the playoffs. Yeah, he had no choice. (laughs) That's exactly right. Right. So. Um, that tells you all you need to know, just like George said, you know, at a certain point, it's the eyeball test, right? At, at the end. But right now, based on resumes, you know, it's, it's, it, you can, we can argue all this all we want. It's going to play out, right? It's going to play out because where TCU is, they're in striking distance and they're going to, they can handle, if they were 10, all right, or something like that, they would have a problem. But at yep. seven, but the people ahead of them having to play. They're within teams, reaching. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, having to play it because I've, I've seen it. Be, the TCU team of years ago, right, that got to five, right, was a good football team, right? But, but they couldn't get there because at this point of the year, they're 10, 11, right? Those teams right now, based on who's in the, in the top six or six, have to play real games ahead of them. Ohio State or Michigan's going to have a loss, right? There's no way to look around that. Tennessee, if they run the table, they're still the best. Georgia, right? All that stuff. Uh, but my point being, and I agree with you, George, Clemson, it, where they are right now, it's going to be hard to dislodge them because right. I don't see anybody in the ACC that's going to beat them unless right. they just come sleepwalking in the game and they're still more talented than most people in that league. Correct. That, that's that's the issue like you brought up, right? And And so the criteria used to be, uh, just plain game control. Remember that? Now it's early game control, right? It used to just be game control. Did they control the game? And now early game control, hey, you know what? If, if you win games like Ohio State won last week on the road in, a, in, in that kind of hostile environment in the fourth quarter and you turn it on like that, you're a better football team. That showed me who they really were. In, in a real situation against a real football team. Can I pop two questions in here? One to both of you. Well, the Ohio State-Michigan loser, they're both going to stay right where they are. In fact, hell I, no. I, I don't, if hell Georgia no. loses, Michigan could hell. squeeze up. To, I'm saying they're not going to drop. Let me finish. I didn't even get the question out. How could you even argue it if I even get the question out? Because if it's um, even close to what if it's even close to what did come out, you I mean, well, if Michigan the loser stays finish. where they're at, no, no, hold on, Nostradamus. Let me get the question out. Ohio State and Michigan are both top five. The loser isn't going to drop that far. Alabama played Tennessee 
and they only dropped down to six. They started out at six because the loss was so powerful and the game was so close. And Alabama will find itself back in striking distance. And toward the end of the year, a close game, say that Michigan-Ohio State game comes down to that field goal and there's some carnage, the loser's not going to drop that far. So that already tells me if if I'm one of those two buildings, I'm going to be all right. Just keep you, – you, the whole thing is within our control, even no matter how the rivalry game goes. Am I off, Clint, Coach? You're still going to be within striking distance if carnage hits. Am I right? Look where they are. You're talking about TCU or you're talking about those guys? So I'm talking about Ohio State, Michigan. The loser is still going to be within striking distance once all this conference championship stuff starts happening. Well, I I think there's a lot to be seen. But one loss, I think that the issue is what Clint brought up and what you've said, a one-loss Big Ten or a one-loss SEC team is in before a one-loss uh, Big 12 team. And that's Correct. that. Correct. Right? Correct. I mean, that's that's the issue. I mean, that's what we, we brought up. So if there's a one-loss out of those guys, unless unless something changes drastically, a one-loss SEC or a one-loss Big 10 team is going to gonna overtake a one-loss. Because I don't, I don't see Clemson, even with one loss, right? Depends on who it is, you know, but, it, it, you know, they, 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 for whatever reason, people think they're really good. And like right. said, they've been on the bar floor every game they've played. <clears throat> but a one-loss Big 12 team, for whatever reason, is out. Yep, yep. Let me – and so – I'm going to tell you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get the, – the conversation, guys, because let's let's go down the rankings there a little bit. you got a bunch of one-loss football teams. It's kind of where you Wait, were going. Clint, so, let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. You played quarterback in the SEC. I didn't. Coach, you coached in the SEC. I didn't. Would you see a team like TCU? And they're not in the SEC, but they're right there. The, 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 to me, they have the most pressure on them. They have the most pressure on them because they will get no grace. They have a, the smallest strike zone, and they got a really gnarly back half of the schedule. To quarterback a team like that or to coach a team like that, how do you how do you get into the approach with all this pressure? Because you you I don't like you can't just say we're just gonna do our thing and play to to play without guys getting tight, Clint, taking your team out there. What next week they're on the road at Texas. We can't you're gonna be looking around and looking ahead of you and all the rest of this shit. You got good opponents, coach, same thing, trying to get your team room together. What is it? How do you pull like hold them by the reins and drive them through? Because the next four weeks, it's pressure for them. Shoot, it's easy. It's easy for me. If you're feeling pressure at this point, your ass don't deserve, deserve to be number seven in the country and in this conversation from the jump. If you're TCU, you hell, you play with house money. You ain't got shit to lose. Just like just like Coach Sumlin said. Why do you think Gundy went for it last year? Because he knows he had to. If you're TCU, hey, you got to go run the score up. You got to beat everybody. You got to go for two. You got because you because unfortunately, we all know that it don't matter what TCU does. It, does, it when it comes that George, you talked earlier about that eye test. When it comes down to the eye test, it doesn't matter what TCU does. They are not going to win the eye test over Ohio State 
over no matter how bogus the shit is, they are not going to win the eye test over a Big Ten team like Ohio State or Michigan or even an Oregon or USC. That's true. They're, they're going – they wouldn't even win the eye test. Hell, they're losing the eye test right now over Clemson. Yeah, right. I mean, shit, yeah. I mean, that, that, this just – if they're feeling any pressure whatsoever, then we need to order us another round of drinks, fellas, and move on to the next topic. Well, I they, said they the pressure piece red. because they're the only team up here this is rarefied air for. All the rest of these guys are – we're back. We're back. But here's what, here's what I would say, George. As a coach, right now – and, and just knowing Sonny and his demeanor, right? It is, it's, it's, he's in a good place because they are disrespected right now, right? Yeah. They didn't have, they don't have anything to lose anyway, right? So now you're playing with the disrespect card. Okay. We're mm. not, we weren't supposed to be here in, in the first place, right? <laughs> now we're winning. We're playing really good football. Look, we just do what we have to do. There's more, there's less pressure. If you handle it the right way as a coach, there's less pressure on your football team than there is on SC. SC has got to feel pressure at nine. Yeah. They can't lose another game, right? They can't. They, I mean, Oregon and SC got pressure on if they want to mm, get it. Mm, Does that make mm, sense? Mm, 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 teams mm. that have seen it, they can't do it. Right now, these guys at TCU haven't been there, and they've been stomping people, I mean, this year. So – just keep doing what we're doing, guys. Nobody respects us, right? Let's keep playing our football, and then we'll look up here in the next four or five weeks. We'll figure out where we are. And if they keep disrespecting us at the end, right, then then I'll say something. But y'all right. keep doing what y'all do. Let's just keep winning football games, and sooner or later, somebody's going to stand up and say, you know what? That TCU football team is really, really good. Yeah. You That's, got Kevin. It, That's Kevin Sumlin. George Whitfield, I'm Clint Sterner. You're listening to Field of 12 After Dark. We're powered by Bet Rivers. Uh, you can find us on the Sirius XM app, and be sure to check out our merch store, Field of 68.shop. Uh, Guys, let's keep this rocking and rolling, man, with this uh, college ball playoff. These rankings came out, and uh, there is a lot to cuss and discuss here. I, I want to get down to – because what I want to do is is I don't – I hate having conversations, guys – where we get off into going, well, what if so-and-so beats so-and-so and then so-and-so beats so-and-so? And then, I mean, all that, I, I want to stream, I want to streamline this thing, right? And so I got a question for you, George. Let's hit these Pac-12 teams real quick. The Pac-12 is is getting some love, gaining some momentum. Um, the Pac-12 has three one-loss football teams. Right now, George Whitfield, you got Oregon at eight, you got USC at nine, you got UCLA at 12. Who do you think emerges? Who forget the emerge? I'm sorry. I just I just did exactly what I didn't want to do. Who's the best football team out in three right now? Well, it's Oregon or UCLA. I think they're the two most complete teams, and and I think they're sitting together. I think USC on either side of the line of scrimmage, they're not as strong. I think they're a year ahead. Not to, no disrespect to what the, what they're doing to, with Caleb and with with Lincoln Riley, they went down and 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 beat Arizona by one score, and that's an Arizona team that's a couple years away. You're the Trojans, a top ten team in the nation. Uh, one touchdown difference. That's the that's the that's the totality between the two. Now Oregon, 
my hat's off. They got dismantled and taken apart in Georgia right out there. I mean, as soon as the door opened up on the season, they got eviscerated. And now they found their way back. And UCLA has been playing great football. Great went over Utah. Uh, but the, to me, those two teams are, are the most complete. I'm curious to see how they both play out because they got two veteran quarterbacks uh, and two really strong, underrated, sturdy defenses. And, um, you know, if I had to lay money down, I would say UCLA probably gets probably comes out of that. Once it all, once all the dust settles, but coach was just in the Pac-12. Coach, what do you think? I, I, you know, I, I I'm sir, I, I've watched USC practice in preseason, right? I'm concerned. I don't think defensively they're anywhere near those two other teams, and I think that's proven out this whole year. I think UCLA is a better football team than than people think. DTR uh, mm -hmm. is playing when he goes the right way and does things like he's been doing this year, not giving the ball back, turn it over, uh, completion percentage, what he's done. That it, As he goes, so goes UCLA, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. But Bo Nix right now, and, and that's a great job of coaching. I mean, to see that, that yeah. first game, by week 9, 10, if they continue to play at the level that they are right now, offensively, defensively, and special teams, Oregon's a really good football team right now. And after week one, yeah. you said, wow, they're, they're trash, right? I mean, it, it was, that was ugly. I mean, and putting it politely, it was ugly. That game was over at the end of the first quarter, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And thank goodness for them, most people turned it off. So they didn't – all they got was a score at the end. But I would go Oregon, then UCLA – and then I think USC might drop another one somewhere in between there because I, I they, they're having a hard time stopping anybody. I mean, even with all the talent, even with Caleb, and I agree with you, George, they're a year ahead of their schedule. I mean, what they they bring, what they get, 40 guys? 40 Something champions? like that. 41? Yep. Right? Yep. So those guys, they put together a football team. It's like an all-star game. Right? Yep. They're still trying to figure out who's who, who does what. And in games that they get in, in tight games, particularly on the road, which you saw last last weekend in Tucson, I mean, they, they, they can't figure out what to do defensively to, right. to give up that many points. And no matter how good Caleb is and that receiving core is and the, the, the talent they have, if you can't stop anybody, a la That's Oklahoma, fair. right, you, yep. you're going to have a hard time winning games. Yep. I agree. Yeah, I, I, I tell you, uh, the, another thing that stuck out in, in this first college football playoff ranking to me, uh, and I think a lot of people laugh at this when we when we first bring it up, but I'm going to give my boy Trevor Valise a little bit of love right here. He's out there producing this, making sure we look good and sound good. Um, Illinois, boys. How about that? How about that? So here, here's the deal. George, I appreciate you sending all these graphics too because it's it's great food for thought as we as we put these rundowns and these topics together. Since the college football playoff rankings have been out, since the college football playoffs have been a thing after BCS, first year was 2014. There's been one year that a team that won the national championship was outside the top four rankings, the first college football playoff ranking that came out, right? And that was in 2014. And I know it well because it because it, it makes an argument that I have, and I, I will I will yell it. I will die. It's a heel I, I will die on. Um, 
because Ohio State ended up winning the national title that year. It was a year Ohio State lost to a six and six Virginia Tech football team at home early in the season and still got their ass on the road. That was at Tech. That was in Virginia Tech. That game, that's when they they debuted the Cardell Jones, JT Barrett combo, and Bryce Braxton Miller went and played receiver. I'm, I'm gonna take that? your word. For, I'm gonna take your word for it, but I'm pretty sure I've looked that up multiple times. But I'll take your word for it. Nonetheless, they started out number 16 in the college football playoff rankings. They ended up winning a national title. They had a running back by Ezekiel Elliott that did the damnedest thing I've ever seen, and he finished his career with three straight 200-yard football games in, in in the in the in the biggest games of his of his career. Absolutely beautiful. Illinois is sitting at number 16 right now. Uh-oh, They've lost the football. They lost a football uh, game early in the year to Indiana, game they shouldn't have lost. They've got a, a, the leading rusher in college football right now. They, they, they're they going to have a shot at, at, at one of the big boys. Do they play both of them or just one of them? They, they're just playing the championship, right, because they're in the West. They only play Michigan. I can't wait to get on this topic. Oh, well, the, man. My, my, my point <laughs> – they play Michigan in two weeks, right? And then, and then the, the championship game, they if, if they get there, right? Yeah, they would have a shot at, at at Ohio State. Nonetheless, my point is just drawing the two parallels between the rankings, the style of football, the the conference. Yep. Um, do we do we give Illinois a chance at this point in time, fellas, to make a magical run and uh, and and possibly be in a conversation? at the end of the year for a college football playoff spot? No. <laughs> well, damn. All right, next time. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you why. All right, And Brett's a good friend, right? Too so far out, Coach. Schedule. We're talking about them, all right? Uh, here, here's their schedule. They got Michigan State. That's this, a win. Disarray. This, this That's now, a win. the monkey wrench in this whole thing, which you're not talking about, because the West, Big Ten West, is a mess. The right? Purdue, Purdue game. Purdue is should have beaten Penn State the first week of the season, right? On Thursday night. They mm. did not. So Purdue now is three and two. Illinois is four and one. So they've got Michigan State. Illinois has got Michigan State, Purdue, then Michigan, right? And they end up with Northwestern. You with me? So they've got two real hurdles to get I see I see one to. real hurdle. Okay. All right. As long as they're okay. sober and rested. I right. see one hurdle. Wait, wait, wait. So Purdue has Iowa, Northwestern, Illinois, and Indiana. That's so a tougher Purdue road. Beat them, right? If Purdue beats them, they're tied. But the tiebreaker means that they go to the championship game. No, no. Uh, we ain't cracking that door open. No I see that black and gold. <laughs> <laughs> hey, with all respect. With all respect, no. right? As so long as Illinois comes in sober and rested, they got one test. You'll handle the Spartans. I don't. They're in the wilderness. Yep. They're more rugged than Purdue is. Yep. And Illinois can dictate terms in that game better than Purdue can. We'll see. So, but the the one thing for Purdue, your natural style of play helps you when you fall behind. We're going to throw it regardless. So they don't have to convert into anything. Illinois is more rugged. It's that dance November 19th when they go into Michigan. They go to Michigan. That's going to be a dance. It would be fun, Clint. You said they they dropped early to Indiana. 
these rankings, if it's an if they handle that game, and again, if if was a split, if an undefeated Illinois is messing around number eight, nine, yep. that's outrageous. That's outrageous. But I but would they, love they will to see not these be guys. undefeated. They'll still have one loss. Yeah, yeah. That's that's but, that's the issue. But where they are, I'm good with because they're sitting behind a two loss Penn State. Who only lost to number two and number five? Well, here, but here, here's the deal, fellas. I mean, the question is this: I mean, to hell with their schedule. Is Indiana, and I think Coach may have may have already uh, he, he may have very quickly voiced his opinion on this. But uh, <laughs> I mean, is is Illinois? Do they do they have a legit? I mean, when that when that Michigan game comes around, you give them a chance in hell. Always give him a chance. And again, oh, just okay. like we said about USC, when Coach pointed out USC brought in 40-plus transfers plus 18, 20 freshmen, so USC's team was at least halfway converted. Can you imagine what a locker room is? Y'all been in football all your lives. You ever seen a football team half walk out and the new half come in? It's the same at Illinois. Yep. I know Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito committed to Illinois <laughs> Then Brett came in. Brett inherited him. Coach Bielema inherited the starting quarterback. Oh, you the starter? Cool. Let's go to the office and figure out how we're going to get some games. He didn't get to shop like most of these head coaches due to the timing. Illinois got in there. They had the same number of bowling events. Maybe they got a couple more than USC did. They had the same number of team movies, a couple little barbecues to get everybody's name down and get the system going. These dudes hit the ground running quietly. Yes to Mac Brown and all respect to what Dan Lanning and, and has done. But the coach of the year comes down to Sonny Dykes or Brett Bielema to me. And Brett Bielema, with the cards, you are typically dealt in Champaign, Illinois. And he scooped these bad boys up and he's playing a mean hand. He is an Indiana loss for being number eight. And yeah, you laid the schedule out. They will get a chance to show up. I hope it's a primetime game when they go in there on the 19th to play Michigan. They will get their chance. They're more rugged than Purdue. Northwestern and Michigan State are up, are opportunities to work on, you know, things that you don't really work on, et cetera. Get some young guys in, et cetera. But their Super Bowl is going to be November 19th uh, in, in Ann Arbor. You you might want to throw Josh Heupel in that coach of the year conversation. Oh yeah, yeah. What am I talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, I was yeah, getting yeah. ready to say. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> was, hey, hey, you yeah, know, George, yeah. I don't, I don't just, just step over every now and then, but kind of, I think hype is doing a. It's ridiculous right now, right? Back yeah. to back years offensively, but that football team's ridiculous right now. All right, that's uh, Coach Kevin Sumlin. That's George Whitfield. I'm Clint Stern. You're listening to Field of Twelve After Dark. Hey guys, I want to I want to bump out of this college football playoff rankings uh, topic and and hit a couple before we before we run a couple of in the moment happening right now um, type of things and 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 one of them is is just absolutely disgusting. There, there's nothing worse um, hell in life, much less when it bleeds over into the football into the football world, the football arena. It's, it's even more disgusting. But what 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 happened after the Michigan State? Michigan game this weekend where several of a, a, a video, a film um, actually leaked and hell went viral for, for lack of better terms of Michigan state players, ultimately several of them jumping on a couple of uh, Michigan players. Um, 
I, look, I, I think this thing's been split up six ways to Sunday. But at the end of the day, Coach, I, I, I want to really get the coach's perspective from this. I know as a player, I would have I would have either whooped somebody's ass on my own team or I would have got my ass whooped. That big that big boy number ninety eight, whoever it was, he would have whooped me that day because I'd have yanked him off. I, I couldn't. I can't sit there and watch that kind of thing. Are you happen saying to. if you're a Spartan or if you're a Wolverine? Which way are you saying if you were on which team? Well, uh, Michigan State. If if one of my if my teammates were doing that to another individual, okay. I mean, Same. clearly, if it was my dude, I'd be getting my ass whooped with him. But but I yeah. like if I were if I were in that Michigan if I was a Michigan State player and my teammates are jumping a guy in the in the damn doorway, I'm not going to stand around and video. I'm, not, I'm damn sure not going to join in. And there was way Correct. too much of that. And it's absolutely disgusting Correct. when it happens in the streets, and it's damn sure disgusting when it happens in a locker room, Coach. How do you how do you view that from your coach's lens and take us into how you how how you how does the team get to a point where their players do that kind of thing and then what do you do in terms of discipline those guys? Well, look, first of all, let's let's take it a step back, right? You're dealing with with young guys. There's no excuse, right? There is a protocol in a in a single tunnel football game. There's a protocol at halftime where either it's agreed upon or the, the referees say, hey, listen, the visiting team goes first, right? And they hold the other team. So stuff like that doesn't happen. To me, right, you, you heard James Franklin say something about it, what, two weeks before this, right, about how many guys, because Michigan dresses a lot of guys, there's at the, at the top of the tunnel. The protocol at the end of the game, and we've all seen this, right, George? When the game's over, the officials run off the field and go somewhere else. They don't want right. anything to do with it. So right. to me, to me, right, that's more of the issue. You got 18, 19-year-old guys that have played a, a football game, right, and they're all in a tunnel. The coaches are still outside, right? Some guys are doing – the head coach is doing interviews. You're shaking it. Everybody's talking. Guys yeah. are going up that same tunnel. That is a recipe for disaster. Agreed. So, it, it, and I, like I said, I, I, I played in the Big Ten – I've been up and down that thing many times. I coached five years at Minnesota, three years at, at Purdue. I've been up and down that thing a bunch. Same thing in, in, in the Red River shootout. One tunnel for Texas and Oklahoma. Coaches staring at each other. But there's a protocol when you leave the field. But right? have you ever had a problem in those single tunnels? No, but right now, when these officials leave the game, right, and there is no protocol at the end of the game, Okay, you you're asking for a real problem, and so yeah, I agree with Jim Harbaugh, right? Based on the game, we haven't seen the other video from the tunnel, which he's seen. All we've seen is is uh, you know TikTok or some camera, but some 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 phone Cell video, phones. which is disgusting, right? Yeah, that cannot be tolerated. Period. But you can't leave nineteen year old guys out there and guys talking stuff. In a tunnel, after a game like that, which is a rivalry game or anything like that, by themselves. So, yeah, there should be severe punishment for those players, but there also needs to be some sort of protocol because they're not professional athletes. They're not trading jerseys. They're not doing all that. They're still pissed off one way or the other. And so someone has to be in charge of that whole situation and get those guys where they need to be after the game just like they do pregame and just like they do at halftime. I'm going to take it a step further. 
And in addition to everything you laid out, it also goes to the character of the team and its leaders. How many times in playing ball and coaching ball have you seen the personal fouls start to mount up when the game is no longer in contention? And it's usually the losing team out of frustration starts getting the rough in the passer, the unsportsmanlike conduct. You, everything just starts to come undone. They're not effort penalties like, like pass interference and things of that sort. It's grabbing face masks. It's doing all this extra stuff. Michigan State got their ass kicked. They've been getting their ass kicked all season. They started the season in the top 10. They had aspirations of hearing their name Tuesday night in, in some sort of situation, and they've been getting their doors blown off every week of the season, and they're frustrated. They got rocked by their in-state rival, and a couple of these dudes, and I, I don't know who they are, but I would assume half of them probably didn't even play in the game. That's exactly they got plenty to say, and they want to show something and contribute something. They want to be the guy in the locker room to say, I know you got a couple hits, but I did too. You know those guys. And it's just low character. I got my chance to get me some kind of salvage something. And it was disgusting. And to me, everything you said, Coach, but that's why I was asking you, have you or your teams ever experienced anything like that? And ain't no telling how many – you must have played against Lloyd Carr. You must have gone in there against uh, – uh, Hey, man, I mean, what do you think? Oh, I'm not 80. Oh, come on now. Yeah, God. right. Or, or, or Brady. I mean oh, – You're going gonna to bring up Bo Shit back then. Right? No, no. Hey. I just – I just break – I what just have break. <laughs> but I'm saying – but you never have one of those situations. The, no, no, the, the leadership. Here's the other part. Here's the other part, George. All right, I think what's important there and what is really disgusting, and Clint, you know this, like you said, if you had been there to help it, you'd have been you'd have got into it, but it was a single guy, right? Yeah. yeah. The other guys are still coming up the tunnel, right? They're still they're not there. There's a bunch of guys that didn't know what the hell happened when even Correct. when they got to the locker room. Correct. Okay? Except for the Michigan State guys and the one guy that they beat up. It's disgusting, right? Yeah. After a loss, whatever. But I'm just telling you, you know, there has to be in a single tunnel situation, you know, uh, uh, yeah, you want guys to police themselves. You want people to, to, to act with class. You have to coach that. You have to preach that. I'm sure Mel Tucker's done that, right? But in that situation, it is disgusting what happened. And I agree with Harbaugh. I mean, that that's, you know, you're, you're just the, 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 the ramifications of that right there are unjustified by the Michigan state football team period. Yeah. And, yeah. and, but there has to be a better protocol in that stadium because this is not the first time that somebody's complained about, it. but the complaints have been a traffic jam and some jawing. No, nothing was thrown when Penn state was in there. It was some, it was some standoffs and whatnot. Penn state coached enough cultured right. enough we ain't backing down but we also ain't throwing nothing either but when have we ever seen this at michigan stadium and you, you just said you've been in there with multiple teams you go in you go out protocol no protocol you go and, in and you go you, out and, 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 and you know what's coming right right you know what's coming and, and you know that that's it it speaks to what i said it's disgusting yeah uh, and look, it goes back to culture and everything else but i just think there should be 
some sort of pro protocol, not just there, but just like anything else that happens like that, it's, it should affect every other single tunnel situation venue there is in college football. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Coach, coach I mean, like, like I, I agree wholeheartedly. It's like the Devontae Adams deal coming off the field the other night, you know. I mean, oh, boy, there's got to be better. They're going to be ropes up. There's got to be security guards, players coming and going from the field. They're in the heat of the moment. They're coming off the field. My man can't be running in front of him. But, damn, Devontae, you can't two-hand chuck his ass. I mean, that can't happen. So, look, I agree with you on all the protocols, Coach. But I'm going to be honest with you, man. What you just did to me, because I've never been there. I, I don't know. Uh, when I threw more touchdowns than Tom Brady, we were in the Citrus Bowl, and two of them were the Michigan Wolverines, and they were wrong. They were right the wrong jerseys <laughs> on, Coach. So, you know what I mean? I, look, I mean, here's the deal. What you just confirmed to me is that I'm 100% sure that Mel Tucker told his guys, hey, we're going to be coming up the same tunnel. No matter what happens, I, I don't want no bullshit going on. Don't agree. be don't be fighting. Don't be jawing. Don't be – I mean, if Mel Tucker didn't do that – then, then I mean it's 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 the most egregious mistake a head coach has ever made given that that particular situation. So really, to me, which it makes it even worse because I know the coaching staff addressed it with these guys. Yeah. And if you've got it in your heart and you've got it in your mind and in your soul to get with six, seven, eight, ten dudes and jump on another guy's head and kick and punch, you're a sorry pos man. And, and if I were if if I were a coach. I would be I would be so disappointed in my program that I had guys in there. I don't care if they played or not. Eight players were suspended. Six of them didn't even play in the game. I don't give a rip. You got my jersey on, and I am absolutely disgusted at, at, at my. You're representing me in my university, and that right there happened. I, I just what would be the punishment? Your ass is gone, Coach Sterner, off the team. Your ass is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's it, it, you know, I think all I've ever said was, hey, look, you represent you represent more than yourself and you start there. Right. All these men in this room, this coaching staff, but you represent everybody at this institution and everybody who ever went to school here ever, ever. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. it's bigger than you when you make those types of decisions on or off the field in this case in the tunnel, right, which I never covered. That. I mean, we we covered that week. But yeah. when you make that decision, right, you're, you're making that decision based on not just you, but every man, woman, whoever went to school at this university, you represent them for the next three and a half hours, right, on this field, and then whenever you're not here. So it's easy to make that decision about what happens to a guy or the guys who take part in something like that, it's 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 an easy decision. You're done. You're done here. Mm. Yeah, you put it's, us it, all at risk, fellas. I wanted to get to some games tonight, but uh, it doesn't look like we're gonna have time to get there, man. I I, uh, I enjoyed it. Um, nothing like uh, that's cussing and discussing right there. That ain't talking ball. That ain't no. That ain't. I mean, that's cussing and discussing <laughs> right there, fellas. Oh, man. I absolutely loved it. Thank thank you to everybody out there that's uh, that's listening. Uh, tell your friends, tell your mom and them about us, join us, um, hit us up on social media. Uh, we're powered by Bet Rivers. Uh, make sure you, you're putting a little wager, putting a couple of wagers out there. Now, I got a lot of football, a lot of baseball going on right now. I hope you bet on our Astros, huh, Coach Sumlin? You'd be winning five, a little bit of money. Come five, on, zero, five, come zero. on now. You can always find us on the uh, Sirius XM app. <laughs> 
George up there beating on that garbage can. And and for sure, check us out. Check out our merch store, Field of 68.shop. For Kevin Sumlin, uh, for George Whitfield, I'm Clint Sterner. Y'all be good. <laughs>